My name is Rob Auchincloss, and this is the Holocene Podcast, where we seek knowledge from those creative, adventurous, and bright among us. These individuals are storytellers, entrepreneurs, athletes, designers, and everything else in between. It is my job as the host to take what they have each learned in their own lives and codify their knowledge so that you can use their lessons in your own life. Today, I am joined by the wonderful and delightful Zanelli Matome. Now, Zanelli and myself met on Twitter, and it was just through a very basic happening of similar threads and, and chatting about random topics, and I asked her to come on the show. Uh, not really sure where to go, but it wasn't meant to rhyme, but <laughs> we had this amazing and beautiful wide-ranging conversation about everything from entrepreneurship to tech to taking excuse me, risks and pushing through to make sure that you are building exactly what you want to build and doing what you exactly want to do, as well as the importance that Africa holds, not only in tech in general, but also in this next future evolution of what entrepreneurship and tech is becoming. So without me rambling anymore, without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with myself and Zanele Matome. Life is either an incredible adventure or it's nothing at all. All right. Well, Zanelli, thank you for coming on my show. Thanks for, in- for inviting me, Rob. Thank you very much. Absolutely. So, you know, you and I were talking briefly before we started recording to get a sound check in. Uh, and this next question really falls in line with the breakfast question, which is what is the first thing you think about when you wake up in the morning? Oh gosh, I think about my, uh, I start meditating. So that's what I think about, like, what am I going to meditate about this morning before I start my day? It's usually you know, it's something from five minutes to 30 minutes. It really depends where I'm at at my life or if there's any crisis, which is most of the time as a founder. <laughs> so it depends it goes from five to 30 minutes. Like, what am I going to meditate upon today? And what is my to-do list for today? So, yeah. I love that. And, and as a constant meditator as well, I'm always curious to hear what kind of practices you follow. So is there a certain type of meditation that you subscribe to or you utilize? Uh, for me, uh, I'm a Christian, so I subscribe to like meditating upon you know, a Bible verse. So mostly I meditate about uh, upon a Bible verse that's, you know, that resonates with the problem or the crisis or even the issue that I'll be dealing with that week or that day, you know. So I usually like go for a verse that goes with what I'm de- I'm going through. Then I meditate up- upon that verse and yeah, then I just, yeah, go over it. I love that. And, uh, and, and so you said that you're a big believer in setting up your to-do list and you do it the morning before you start. So you kind of see how you're feeling, understand the most pressing issues and make sure that you can achieve everything that you're set out to do that day, correct? Exactly. And I, I always make sure that, you know, when I do my to, uh, to-do list, I have my top three that I absolutely have to do for the day, you know, to make my day a win. Then I'll have other things as well. But I make sure that I have my top three that I absolutely have to do for that day to get through the day. Then the others will I'll have to do. If I don't do them, they'll go to the next day. But I always have my top three to do that I have to do uh, for the day. Yeah, prioritization is important, and I think that um, one of the big things I've been working on recently is is manifestation of that. And I've learned that it's right if if you pick, you know, two, three, four things uh, that you make sure get done that that can get done. You know, you have to make sure that you you, you set three things that that doesn't take a week, right? Um, mm-hmm. But once you do that, you're you're unstoppable. Um, and so, kind of just. Sorry to interrupt you. Just to get kind of a a good foundation or baseline, um, how would you describe the work you do now to your eight-year-old self? Oh, to my eight-year-old self. I would say, you know, what I'm doing is that, like, I'm delivering health. I'm delivering medicine at home. And I'm not only delivering medicine, I'm delivering health for mommy and daddy and sister and granny and brother at home. I love that. And, and, and do you think that the eight year old version of yourself would be proud of you? Oh yes. (laughs) Yes. I think, yeah, I think they'll be very proud of me 
because I think I, at the age of eight, I was a very busy and energetic uh, little girl. So I'm still that girl, just that now I'm busy, energetic, and I'm doing something impactful. So they'll be very proud of me. Yes, I'm no longer naughty that like I used to be when I yeah. was eight. <laughs> I, I think the, the reason why I love that question so much is because, you know, I, I think that most of us are most successful when we do the things that, that bring out our inner child, right? Um, and... So th this is the company Wello, right? Is that how you pronounce it? Yes, yes, that's how I pronounce it. So tell us more about Wello. Okay, uh, Wello started, uh, it started as a vision to do like deliveries at first, because you know, when you start out, you'll pivot a lot. So at first I wanted to do a delivery app where I'm delivering anything from medicine, to groceries like Uber Eats, to clothes for small businesses and all of that. But as I started now going deep into my, my concept, uh, I started, you know, I started looking at it and I say, you know what, I want to, to deliver a niche product and I want something that's going to have impact and something that's going to excite me. Because yes, I wanted to deliver food and other things, but it was not really exciting to me. It was not something that was making me like happy. So then I took out everything and I said, you know what, what I think will have an impact and what resonates with me uh, as a person who always, you know, want to touch, you know, the, 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 the masses and all of that. I said, you know what, it's medicine. So I'm going to scrap everything. I'm going to change. And I'm even going to change the company name because at first it was, it was something else. And I said, I'm going to call it Wello. Wello is short for wellness. Because uh, there's the ethos of the company that, you know, it's all about tech and wealth, wellness and playing our part in the wellness of, you know, of communities. So that's how Wello came about. I took out everything, groceries, whatever, fast food, and I stuck to medicine. So that's what Wello is doing uh, currently. We, we deliver in medicine, you, your prescription medicine, you know, on behalf of people. We're taking it uh, from the pharmacy and also from the governments and local clinics direct to the people's to uh, to people's doorstep and how are we doing that we using uh, we using technology to achieve that goal the reason i wanted to use technology is that once this concept is established here in south africa i want to scale it to the world so technology is for me is the best platform to bring your 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 ideas uh at home, your ideas live and your ideas live at scale so that you can share it with the world. So that's how Wello came about. And as we as we started growing, because we started, uh, it's now, it's a four month old baby now. So as we started now, you know, talking to clients, talking to doctors, talking to stakeholders in the health industry, they were, uh, we started now looking at other things that we can also add. So for now, as from February, will be adding on top of medicine delivery, will be doing sample collections on behalf of your labs and on behalf of your doctors at home. So like now uh, I have orders for from a doctor who wants me to go and collect you know, some blood samples from their patients at home because now the uh, most doctors are starting to go into telehealth. So yeah. they'll be sent us to go and collect uh, blood samples from the patients at home. So now the patient doesn't have to leave their home anymore. So we'll be doing also the COVID samples and all of that. So hence I'm saying we, we not only deliver medicine, we're delivering health and we're using technology to do that. So that's what we're doing currently. Wow, that, that, that sounds absolutely incredible. And I, I have a few follow-up questions based on that. Uh, first off is so... Um, do you think that you'll also be involved with the COVID vaccine distribution when that comes to South Africa? I want to. I want to be involved with that as well. In fact, you know, I've, I've been, I've given myself the next two to three weeks to try and connect the dots and strategize how we can uh, position ourselves to be right in the thick of things when that happens. Because in South Africa, the minister announced that it might happen in Q2. So right now, now we're back to the drawing board, seeing how we can be able to be, you know, to be involved in that part as well with the, with the vaccine uh, distribution. 
So definitely, yeah. that's one that, that has come up. Yes, yes, definitely. And so I'm also unaware of the South African regulatory market. So the people that you hire to deliver these medicine and food and everything, are they gig workers? Are they actual employees of Wello? Uh, how does that work? It's gig work workers. So for now, uh, I'm using gig workers for the delivery of the medicine. So most of the people that I use, the drivers that I use, they're already working for Uber Eats. They are already working for Mr. Delivery, so which is like yeah, it's it's one it's like one of Uber East competitors. So I'm using the gig delivery, the gig economy model for this. But for the sample collection now, that one is going to be different because you have to get registered nurses to to go and take those samples and all of that. Because now it's a, it's a it's a regulatory health regulatory issue when it comes to that when we do uh, sample collections so for that one i'm still going to use the gig economy model but only using uh, qualified registered nurses but for the medicine delivery we don't have a uh, regulatory issues for that as long as you know they go and uh, deliver wearing their uh, protective clothing and all of that following all the medical and covid rules safety rules but that one you just use uh, any driver you know gig economy model but for the once we do the sample collection when once we start that in february that's when now i'll be using registered nurses who i'm going to just put on our database still still see the same thing gig economy but just professionals i love that and so this is only four months old and you've already achieved this much that's that's really really uh commendable uh, i have i have to say and, and and so does does the things that we have here in the states that are pretty commonplace to us so Uber and Uber Eats and DoorDash those don't exist in South Africa right They do they do South Africa is actually so advanced yeah so we don't have DoorDash but we have Uber we have Bolt we have Uber Eats and so in in the continent I would say uh, South Africa uh, Nairobi, which is in Kenya, and yep. Nigeria, Lagos, they are very much advanced. You have those things. And I've yeah. traveled to the many times, so I, we have those similar things. Yeah, and it wasn't a question more in terms of uh, if it was available. I'm just trying to get a sense of your competitors and, and, and what they're like. And so, you know, I, I, I've been around the world, luckily, myself as well. Uh, and I found that Uber is everywhere. Um, I think hey. I... Yeah, and I I think I I mean the question more. Um, is Uber your main competitor then? No, no, it's not my main competitor because they they are delivering like everything from medicine to food and all of that. So for me, they're not my main competitor. My my main competitors uh, are the pharmacies. Like, uh, what are your major pharmacies? There, CVS or is yep. it? CVS and Walgreens are probably the two big ones. Yeah. yeah, so we have something like that, but it's called Discams. So they do deliver on behalf of the, 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 the people, although they take like 24 hours. We do it same day. They can take 24 hours to two days, and they they only limited to the cities, you know, your urban areas and all of that. So I target the, the township market. So township... Uh, we can say the project if I compare it to the U.S. So like, you know, yeah. So that's how I can just... Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Explain. Yes, yes, yes. So yes. for me, those are the ones. And Amazon Pharmacy, I saw that they launched something very similar, but yeah. I don't think they'll be in South Africa for the next few years. No, but yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and I, I'm in Seattle, so uh, right now in my, my point in my life. So I, uh, even though I'm heading back to New York City soon, but uh, yeah, so most of the most of the Amazon uh, demo or beta stuff usually comes around my neighborhood pretty often. Um, but at the same point in time, you know, it's just like I, I think what I'm trying to understand is that I think South Africa is a country that that most people in the United States know exists, but don't know that it's basically you know a, another uh, you know top tier country that has all these technological advancements. The problem is it's just geologically separated from. Europe and the United States. You know, it's a 16-hour flight from Atlanta. Uh, it's not close. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, which I'm sure you know, because you've done that flight, I'm sure, many times. Um, 
Yes, I know too much. <laughs> yeah, you know too well. And I'm actually, uh, I, I think we talked about this on Twitter briefly where we met. Um, I'm, I'm actually headed to South Africa uh, this May um, with one of my best friends. He, he grew up in Cameroon and uh, him and I have just never been to South, South Africa and the countries surrounding. So Namibia and Botswana. And it's just a place that him and I've always wanted to go. And, and we'll see if, uh, you know, it is COVID depending, but, um, you know, it's a place we want to explore and, and want to just meet new people and, and, and see the region. And, you know, I have a few friends that have spent time in a bunch of those countries that uh, love it. And I think that, you know, him and I's general worldview is that the more you get out into the world, the smaller the world gets. And, you know, I think that's a, that's a good thing. So true. I like it. <laughs> So uh, we, we'll come back to Wello, but I, I do want to talk about something that I saw on you. Another thing that's in your Twitter bio, which is Africa Femtech. Do you want to tell us okay. more about that? Okay, uh, Africa Femtech. I I founded the organization when we were on our first lockdown. I think when was it around March? The the global lockdown, the COVID one, and I was just you know bored and having so much cabin fever. And I wanted to reach out to other uh, African female entrepreneurs who are in the tech space because I could see that uh, the challenges that I was facing as a as a female in tech was the same challenges that we we uh, the other African female founders are, are facing. Number one, you you have this idea you want to go into tech but you don't have the network. You you want to reach out to investors in Silicon Valley in New York. In Nigeria, even in South Africa, you don't you 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 know you can't even you can't always be called emailing. You want the network, you want interests, and also you want to learn more so that you know you can become a better uh, player in the space. Because my my vision for that was that you know uh, bring together ladies. Let let's get on the table. Let's empower each other. Let's network. Let's get some mentorship so that. We build companies that will have uh, startups that will have successful exits or that will have successful IPOs and startups that will compete on the global scale. So that's when I sent out the cheat and ladies and I said, ladies from Af the African space who are in tech, uh, come here, send me a DM. I'm, I'm opening this organization. Then they start, there was a positive response. And afterwards, you know, we started having discussions uh, offline. And afterwards, I started reaching out to people in the tech space, investors who are based in, in the Valley, who are some of them are based in New York, Kenya, Lagos, you know, saying that, hey, guys, we've opened this organization. We want to rope you in as mentors so that I can partner you with each and every, uh, do some matchmaking with the relevant founder so that, you know, you take them through the pitch deck. You know, they do that pitch deck so you can review that pitch deck, you know, make them investor ready, give them some pointers because there's the type of uh, mentorship and the type of network that we need. So that's, that's AfriFem yeah, Tech. Absolutely. That's how it was. Yes. Uh, that, that's amazing. And, and obviously there are many things like that popping up all over the world. Um, and I think it's yeah. good because you and I can attest to this as both being founders, but uh, you know, it's a game you have to play, unfortunately. And if you don't know the rules of the game, you're going to lose on your first step, sadly. Sure. And uh, so I, I, I love that. And then after this call, there are a few people that I will, I would love to introduce you with um, that I know that I think that, you know, could really help that, that mission. Um, more from a connecting people to investors and different incubators. And I think that that's one thing that's, that's a beautiful thing of COVID is that because because everything has gone online, you know, like why, why Combinator is now online? Well, a lot of these, you know, very famous incubators are online. Uh, mm -hmm. It becomes great for people that don't live in the U.S. or can't locate to Silicon Valley to still, you know, throw their hat in the ring to get serious funding and, you know, founder significance, so to speak. Exactly. No, I would love that. I would love that. That's, that's so true now. I think yeah. COVID was it was a bad thing, but for us founders, it has made the world very small 
and it has made people more accessible. And like you're saying, like your Y Combinators and all of these incubators, now, now you can do it online. So it gives us a better space and an opportunity to compete. Yes. And, and I think I'm a big believer in competition. It's like competition on a global stage where you have everyone from every country with equal opportunity to be able to make great products and benefit their local and statewide and even international communities. Um, you mm-hmm. know, I think that I, I, was in a, I was in a chat room last night talking about listening to Naval um, and Balaji talk about uh, how India is, is, you know, becoming one of the next massive startup hubs next to Africa. And you're basically realizing that these countries are, are, are coming online another percentage point every month and a half. And money is pouring in from countries because there are many, you know, the same things that we, you know, use here in this country and in Europe and in Asia, like those apply everywhere. So, and I think it's this beautiful, it's going to be this beautiful thing where in a few years, you know, everyone is going to be leveraging technology, as you said, to be solving problems in their own communities. Because the problems that, you know, a community might face in India is different than what they might face in South Africa. It's different what they might face in Chile. It's different what they might face in, you know, California. And so I think this, we're at this beautiful kind of culmination point where I, I, I really, I, I'm an optimist at heart. So I really see the tech community as a whole coming together because of COVID and just being more and more, resounding towards this overall idea that we're kind of all in this together. Like, you know, the planet is one big ship, right? So we might as well just help each other and, and let us all succeed, but also understand that, you know, we're all, we're different people and we have different problems to solve, but there are a lot of problems that other people have solved already that might actually help us solve the problem we're looking to solve. So true. So true. So um, going off that, the last last one of the things I found about you that I, I do want to ask about is the startup tribe. Um, do you want to talk about that? The startup? The startup tribe. Oh, the startup tribe. Okay. <laughs> and you, we don't have to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think about it because I really like to say, you know, uh, on Twitter, I found my tribe, my my startup, especially my startup tribe. Yeah. So, yeah. So I don't know how to delve into the topic. It's so broad. But I think for me, my my a startup tribe, you know, is like your peers and people who who raise each other, who raise as we rise. I I like to say, you know, we must raise as we rise. So yeah. for me, the best mentors for me have been my peers, my 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 startup tribe peers. I have peers from from India, from the U.S., from Kenya, from Lagos, from South Africa. And that's where I knock on doors mostly, more than even investors. I think to have your tribe of of founders, you know, surrounding yourself with your tribe of founders, it really helps you craft your your startup. It helps you deal with nagging issues, you know, from people who have been on that road. So for me, I, I think it's going to be something that I'm going to be doing for for a very long time, making sure that I expand my tribe, I give back to my tribe, you know, I add value, but I also learn from them because the founders are the best people to really learn about this journey because it's really a long journey. So you need them you know, by your side. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and then just another point of, of order. I, I was, I was, I mean, I, I love where you went with this question, but I just saw this thing on your LinkedIn profile that mentioned uh, the startup tribe and, and said you were a, a board member or something like that. And I was just, I was more curious about that, but that, I love this answer okay. and that works. <laughs> oh, okay. That one. Yes. That one is in South Africa. So I, I'm a member. Uh, it's an organization that's uh, for entrepreneurs and small, medium uh, businesses. So I'm a member there where we offer mentoring to especially young people who are in startups. So I'm one of the mentors there is. <laughs> I forgot I was that one. I love that. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's okay. I mean, but, but I, think, I think you still answer the question in, in a good way, right? Because, you know, we, 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 all, we all build, you know, tribes, so to speak, right? It's like, you know, if you, if you go back to pre, 
dark ages pre year zero, like, you know, humans formed and lived in tribes roaming this planet. Right. So, and I think that the getting back to that and, and like your idea, it's basically, I think what you said goes back to the idea of that, you know, a, uh, a rising tide raises all boats. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if you have a great group of people that are all willing to, you know, help each other out, I think that that, that does wonders. And I think that, <clears throat> excuse me, when you, when you have a great company or a great group of people or a great tribe in this case, like it, it's amazing how well, you know, or how many th- good things can come from a small group of people if they all are lifting each other up. Right. And I think Silicon Valley is exists because of that. Right. It's like this massive boat where if you just happen to be in there at the right time, like you're going to do some pretty ridiculous things. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> True. Um, but luckily now that, 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 that boat is becoming the internet. So, which is good. Mm-hmm. And Silicon Valley yeah. is going away. <laughs> so, uh, which is good and bad. Um, so I'm going to, I, I think just kind of change gears a little bit and, and learn more about you yourself, um, and kind of what pushes you to do what you do. Uh, there's a question I like to ask a lot of people, uh, and it's quite simple. It goes, is there something you believe in that most don't? Uh, hmm. Doesn't sound like a simple question. <laughs> <laughs> I should say simple in wording. It, it can be, you know, a one word answer or you could talk for an hour if you want. I, it's, it's up to you. I think uh, resources, like most people believe that if you don't have money, it won't happen for you especially in startups, like they'll be saying, I can't start because I'm waiting to get money first before I can start this idea. So for me, I believe that money will find you on your way. Make some plans, bootstrap, however you can do that, and funding or money will find you on your way. If you wait for things to be perfect before you make that step, or if you wait for conditions to be hunky-dory and serene and 100% 100% heavenly before you make the first step. You'll never move. So for me, I believe that first move, sometimes you'll move blindly or you'll move with like a 40% eyesight, but first make your move and the resources and the funding and the other things, they will they will follow you because that's what, that's what I did with Welo as well. With, with Welo, I didn't have, you know, any friends and family money. Uh, I didn't have uh, funding. But I told myself that, you know what, I'm going to start and uh, I'll bootstrap however I can because I'm doing some consultation work here and there. I'm selling some swimwear here and there just to start. And I didn't even have an app. And I said, OK, because I can't afford an app. I don't have an engineer at the moment that I can pay. I don't have that team, uh, the, like the technical co-founder. So the best thing is that I'm going to start with the WhatsApp chatbot. Uh let me find somebody, let me find a, a developer that can help me design that because that one, I, I knew that it was not going to cost me an arm and a leg. And I started that and we started with the chatbot and people can place orders through the WhatsApp chatbot. And I did some consultation. If I, I'm still doing them after hours, you know, with entrepreneurs where I charge a certain amount per hour and I take that money and put it into Welo, going to meetings and all of that. So... That's one thing I don't agree with. And when a person say, I can't start, I can't push my idea uh, because I don't have the money to do it. I believe that just take the first step, then the money will follow, the traction will follow. Just take that. So that, that's what I believe. Yeah, I love that. And I think that a lot of people needed to hear that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and even myself, right? It's like I have a few ideas that I've worked on in the past. Even even this past week on Sunday, I something that I've been you know I've been seeking funding for for a while, and I just decided I was like, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go and build it. Like I don't I don't know how to build an app. I'm, I'm like you, but I'm, I can do something else in the meantime to 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 make it work and and as a placeholder. And you know I think that a lot of people who are investors they like to see not only promise but also they want to make sure that you know ideas are easy, right? You and I know that, but. The execution, the the seeing if you have what it takes to make it into a company and be successful and actually, you know, get what you're trying to do out there to the world, that's that's the hard part. And so if you can do that and you can prove that, then you're right, the money will just flow right in. Exactly. 
Um, so is there, is there a time in your life that you kind of view as a pivotal moment in terms of, you know, pushing you to start well out? Like, is, is there a moment in time you can recall where you were like, this is what I have to do? Or is it more just like something that kind of rattled around your head for a while? No, there was uh, an incident that happened because like uh, a brief uh, overview background of my entrepreneurial journey. I started my mine contracting company at the age of 21. And from 21 to 23, I was doing that. Then I went, I got a job. And at the age of 24, I went back to mine contracting full time. So I was getting this lucrative contract, you know, doing uh, going underground, doing drill and blast for mining companies and other support services underground. And then in 2018, the mine where I had a very lucrative contract closed down. It was owned by some Canadians. So they pulled out their investment from South Africa. So it was like the, the rug was literally pulled out of my leg. So, you know, like, because it was my only one contract, I was very comfortable, you know, thinking that I would just do this until I turn 65 and eat my money, travel the world, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> then, <laughs> yeah. then, uh, yeah, then I had to uh, move out from my home. I have to take my kids from private schools, you know, and just lose my cars and all of that, just basically start from scratch. Then for me, that was the moment that I said, you know what, I'm tired of depending on contracts and, you know, living on three-year contracts, five-year contracts, you know, depending on people and all of that. I'm very entrepreneurial. I have ideas. What can I do that I know that I have control over? So for, for me, that's, that, that was my turning point. I was like, okay, let me go back to the drawing board. Let me come up with an idea where I know I have control over. Obviously, you won't have 100% control over anything. But where I can come with an idea, have control, take it to market, not be dependent on contracts or on people or somebody, uh, somebody liking you and giving you a contract and all of that. You know, not being dependent on outside factors. So that's how I got into tech. Then, that's, that's, then I started researching. I didn't even know anything about tech and uh, even, oh gosh, even just a simple phone. I was not even on WhatsApp. I didn't even want, no, I was just living a, a simple life. Yeah. Then I said, okay, here's this thing called tech. So there was 2018. Here's this thing called tech, blah, blah, blah. Okay, where can I learn more? So for me, I have this mentality of go big or go home. So I was like, okay, if I want to learn more about this thing, I have to go to Silicon Valley. There's nowhere else. So last year, uh, then 2019, I went to Silicon Valley. I took the plunge. I went to Silicon Valley for three months. Didn't know a soul there. Didn't know every anything. But what I told myself was that, you know what? I'm going to create an incubator program for myself. I'm going to attend uh, startup events, I'm going to do office hours, I'm going to network, I'm going to Silicon Valley to do that. So I went there 2019, spent three months there. It was the most riveting, the most inspirational and time of my life. And that's where I knew that, you know what, the tech space is a space for me. It's a space for a gritty entrepreneur like myself. It's a space for an innovative uh, entrepreneur like myself. And it's a, it's a space for a risk taker like myself, a goal getter like myself. So after those three months that I spent in Silicon Valley attending, I would attend events up to 11 at night. If it was not events, I would, I would attend office hours. I even got a, a job, you know, where they paid me under the table because now money was running out, you know, San Francisco <laughs> being yep. so expensive. So, uh, yeah, so... There was, a, there was this place where they were doing events for entrepreneurs. So I would attend events. Then after the events, I would help out with the cleaning, cleaning of the venue and all of that. So, yeah. So for me, it was really, there was my turning point. Then when I came back to South Africa, then I knew that, okay, this is it. This is what I want to do. Even though I was 38, because, you know, in the tech space, people are doing it when they're in their 20s and all of that. So it was an anomaly. <laughs> so I was like, but I'm doing it. Even though I'm 38, I'm going for this. Uh, this is my space. This is what I've been building towards ever since I've been in Chopin since 21. This is my space. So 
yeah, so for me, that was the turning point, lo losing that uh, lucrative contract and finding something that really feeds my spirit. So, yeah. You, you know, I think that reminds me of a quote from my friend, which is, you know, adversity is the mother of all inspiration, right? Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. So true. Definitely. And, and, and I think that's, that's, that's such an amazing perspective you have. And I think that, you know, I've learned that the tech space, you know, two decades ago was a very kind of particular space that had its, you know, lots of its guardians and wall barriers and, and things like that. But nowadays tech is becoming this, you know, it's not a utopia for a long stretch, but it's definitely a place where, where, you know, people come to solve problems and you don't have to be of a certain cloth or from a certain pedigree. You can really kind of understand that, you know, these are the rules of this, this society of tech. And if I adhere to them and they kind of shrink every day, then I can help create something that provides value to other people. And that's what technology really is, right? It's like, we're, we're trying to find solutions to age old problems that in the end of the day provide value. Like that's all we, that's all we're trying to do. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And so, and, and thank you for sharing that. And I think that, you know, in terms of the age point you make, it's like, you know, I've met founders who are, you know, still in high school. And I met founders who, you know, were lawyers for 30 years and just turned 60 and, and, are, and are ready to start their own company. So I think it's, it's also this beautiful space where, you know, it doesn't really matter, right? Um, and, and sometimes there is a lot of benefit to having that experience. Sometimes there's not, it's, there's not right? And, but I think that, the beautiful thing about tech in general is that, you know, it's not like most fields where your age actually matters. It's, it's about how much time are you willing to put into it and what problem are you solving, right? True, exactly. Yeah, I, I'm, mm. a, I'm a big proponent of tech and, and I feel like you are too, which is great. Um, so how, how do you personally define success? And, and, and do you, you can kind of answer this any way you want, but... Uh, and, and this is not only meant about you personally, but just in general, like, how do you view success? Mm, success, uh, in general, it's, it's reaching the goals that you set out for your life. Cause we all, we all have our one year goal, three year goal, five year goals, but you also have your life goals that, you know what, when I turn like, when I retire, because we, we don't retire in this, at the same age, some of them 80, uh, et cetera. When I retire, I want to have done one, two, three. So success is reaching the goals that you set up for your life. Even a, a stay-at-home mom can be viewed as successful if that was her goal to, to nurture her kids and make sure that they're the best kids out there, you know, they're, they're going for their dreams and all of that. There's a nurturing environment at home and all of that. So success is not really uh, only material things and uh, or IPOs and whatever. It's what you've set out to, uh, to do in this life and making sure that you leave this world having done that. So for me, that's, that's the definition of success. That's wonderful. I love that. And, and then a follow-up question that I, I kind of throw in there is, uh, do you think success is achievable or do you think it's rented? Oh, it's achievable. Uh, I'm, a very, I'm, a, I'm an optimist, so I believe that it's, it's achievable. Got it. I, th I think I'm asked, like, I mean that question more in terms of, do you think that once you achieve success, you, you have it forever? Do you think it's something you have to constantly be working at to maintain success? Oh, okay. No, you'll constantly be working at it. Hey, I think you'll constantly be working at it. You'll be constantly upping the bar. For myself, I'm constantly yeah. upping the bar. So yes. what for me was, was my success bar 10 years ago is no longer my success bar for now. So yes. I know that even when I turn 50, uh, knowing myself, I'll be always upping the bar. May I I'll stop that. at eight. 80 i'll stop i promise <laughs> yeah yeah and, and, and my, my friend my few friends and i we all take bets like who's gonna stop first and we're all like probably not gonna stop we're just gonna keep going until we can't right because <laughs> i mean I, I don't know about you but like i couldn't imagine doing anything else at this point true hey true even right? if they didn't even even if they didn't pay you, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. Like if, if they ripped all this away from me, I, I, I would still be like, well, I mean, I, I'd still go find something else to do. You know, it's like, I think it's the reason why 
you know, I, I think most of the world has this view of these of these entrepreneurs like like Elon Musk or Bezos. They're like, why don't they just like you know stop doing what they're doing and retire and just go you know buy a country, you know, and or, or like you know go just hang out and do whatever they want. But you, people realize it doesn't matter if it's someone who sold their startup for five hundred thousand dollars or someone who sold their startup for five hundred million or someone who's worth two hundred billion. If you're an entrepreneur, you are driven by solving problems and your own success. So it's just like they mm. they and we don't care, right? It's like if, if you have money along the way, great. You can help other people. You can increase your own standard of living. You can have some luxuries. But most of, most of us view it's like if, I, if my current company sells, I get to use that money to go start another company. You know, it's like it's, it's, it's an addiction. But I think it's a good addiction. Mm, and people expect us like if like maybe have you the ex- successful IPO or your billion dollar exit to go and be, stay at the beach for a month. I'm I would die. Yeah. Just a week would be enough. I would want to start building something like you saying. So yeah. so yeah, no, no. life at the beach. A week. And, yeah, uh, I'd I'd make it two days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or probably it's like I'd pretend to relax and then in my head, I'm just planning the next thing, you know? <laughs> you leave the laptop at home or even the phone at home, but you'll still be building it in your head. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's like I'll, I'll steal the napkin at the restaurant from the waiter and draw on it, you know? Yeah, no, it's an incurable disease. We just, yeah, no, there's no cure for this disease. But what, 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 a, what a blessing to have this disease, though. <laughs> um okay so um let's see uh so these questions don't make sense because of covid um is there is there there an adventure in your life that particularly sticks out to you as like a good story to tell i think for me is that one for uh the the daily one yeah for me that that was my adventure story to tell yeah yeah Cool. Um, well, that wraps up the general question. So I, I have a series of uh, kind of like quick rapid fire questions. Um, these questions can be answered in one word or we can, you know, talk about them and go into depth and detail. Um, and then and then we'll kind of see where that goes from there. And then, you know, I want to ask you if you have any questions for, you know, beyond that. But uh, the first one is, you know, going back to what we were saying about about wealth and money is that if you had a billion dollars, right now in cash that you couldn't spend on yourself or your family, what would you do with it? Oh man, that one, uh, I would do that. There's two things that I've been doing uh, since the age of 24. I'm very invested in the education of the African child. So I would definitely pump money into that because I've been doing that since the age of 24 with my own money or the money from my mining contracts where I would sponsor Meds lessons, extra meds lessons for African children in farm schools because they're the most disadvantaged. So for now, my plan is that once I start, you know, having money again, I'm going to continue with the meds lessons and coding lessons because now I'm in tech. So I, I would that. definitely pump money into that coding and meds lessons for primary school kids uh, in uh, different African countries. Number two, I would invest in startups. I want to invest in, in entrepreneurs, in founders. Yep. You want to help, you know, rising tide lifts all ships, right? Exactly. I would do that with the one billion. Yes. I love that. Um, and that's another thing is that people don't, I think people are realizing more and more just how important coding is. And the beautiful thing about teaching code is that it's truly democratized, right? You don't, you don't need to have someone with a PhD from MIT to teach your kids it. like you can, you can basically give them a computer and build software that teaches them how to code. You know, it's this, it's this beautiful democratized solution that, uh, you know, I think is, is, is going to, you know, really help equal the playing field a bit. A lot, a lot. Mm. Um, is there a story that your family or parents like to tell about you? Oh, yeah, they have so many stories. (laughs) Let me see which one. Oh, I think that one was when I was in high school and I went for an audition. There was this TV show. So I went for an an audition there 
and I was wearing some heels and one heel broke because we were pushing each other. You know, it's like an <laughs> idol, those idols cues. So we we're pushing each other. And now as I walked in the audition room, I was walking in with one heel that was intact and the one heel that was broken. I didn't know for the life of me. I don't know why I didn't take off all my shoes. So I was just hobbling towards the judges, you know. <laughs> it was just a long walk. <laughs> And yeah, I had to go through that audition. I didn't get the part, but yeah. <laughs> so they used to laugh at that a lot and just tell people that, oh, that person, left. she went to an audition and she was just hobbling there. <laughs> and the other one was when I gate crashed a, a, an event, a, a mining conference, because it was very expensive. It was like your $2,000 ticket. And that time I was still starting out as a young entrepreneur with no money and all of yeah. that. So I did crash this event. I just went, you know, when you go to an event, you go to that table when you have to get your name tag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I went there, searched for my name tag, threw a tantrum, and knowing very well that my name tag is not there, I didn't pay for the ticket. Yeah. But yeah, but the tantrum helped me and I managed to get into that event. And, yeah. <laughs> I love it. And, and at, at that event, did you, did something happen at that event that really helped kind of shift? Yes. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, because at that event, you know, when there's a Q&A, so yeah. there were a, lo a lot of mining CEOs, top mining CEOs from South Africa at that event. So when it came to the Q&A question, I was like, Z, now is your time to strike so that, you know, these people can know <laughs> about <laughs> So I, I stood up, you know, asked a very important question. But before the question, I was like, it was, this is my time to do my one minute pitch. So I was like, hi, my name is uh, Zanele. I come from Rustenburg. Rustenburg is a very small town. That's, that's where I was born, uh, born and bred. I come from Rustenburg and uh, I actually gate crashed this event. Then everybody just laughed. <laughs> <laughs> then I asked my question. I said, like, I'm a young person. I'm just, I've just started. I'm 23 years old. I've just started in mining. I'm looking for opportunities and all of that. So from that event, I managed to get some very good networks and I got an opportunity in one of the mines yeah, in South Africa. So yeah. Did they try to kick you out after that or did they let you stay? After that, everybody wanted my business card. It was those days when you were still using business cards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But wanted my business card and I was invited to the gala dinner. I'm telling you. Yo, oh, yeah, wow. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so your advice for people is, uh, you know, I think, I think it goes along, you know, break rules that you think shouldn't apply to you. Right. Exactly. Yes. Uh, why am I going to get $2,000 as an entrepreneur? Starting oh, it's out? crazy. Yeah. yeah. But like the, the problem with those events is that those are the gatekeepers of gatekeepers, right? It's like, they're already hard to get into and then you have to pay $2,000, which basically means that anyone that's, that's coming from, you know, whether they're young or they're students or, you know, most people can't afford $2,000 on a, on a ticket for a dinner. You know, that that's, that's definitely a wealthy reserved thing. Um, and so it's unfortunate because like at these dinners and at these places, there are always, you know, opportunities that, that are incredible. Exactly, exactly. So it's like a yeah. gatekeeping strategy because opportunities are at those events, just like you're saying. That's where totally. you, you can. Mm. Yeah, it's like I think one of the biggest opportunity getters in my life, and one of the things I learned the most from was an event, um, very private gathering. So, like, I had to fly into it in the middle of the mountains of Wyoming. So, there's no way I could have crashed it, unfortunately, because um, there's like 20 people. But I, I basically spent at the time like a month and a half salary to go to this three-day event. Uh, and, you know, my girlfriend at the time thought I was crazy. She's like, you're crazy. Like, this is dumb. Don't do it. Like, it's a waste of money. And I was like, you know what? Like, my gut feels good about it. Uh, and I went and it like, it ended up paying itself back many, 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 many times what I spent. And the people wow. I've met have made it. And I, and I think I've learned one thing. It's like, when your gut is so sure about something, but you're still a little <laughs> bit nervous, the nervousness is mm -hmm. good. It means you're going to do a good job. But like the, the gut feeling, you can't shake that. You just got to do it. And if that mean, if, and if it fails, you have to accept that you, you, you chose poorly. But most of the time, if your gut's that good, I think you, you, you know you're onto something, right? Exactly. Even when I was going to Silicon Valley, people were like, you know what? You don't have money at the moment, so you're going to spend flights 
and you don't even know anyone there. So, so it's your gut. It's your if your gut says this is totally. right, you spend yeah. money on that. But it, that's something that uh, mostly only entrepreneurs uh, understand. That you know what? If this ticket is five thousand dollars, and I have five thousand dollars, and I absolutely have to attend that event because it yeah. might, because you're working on might. It might unlock one, two, three. You're going to go there, and if it doesn't work out, you won't even have to regrets. No, but, yeah, no regrets. Saying that, yeah, they'll say you're wasting money and all of that. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm the same way. It's like, look, it's like I think that if you look at most successful companies, whether they just IPO'd, excuse me, like Airbnb, or or even you know look at someone like Musk or Bezos, like at one point they were all living off of credit cards, borrowing money for rent, like eating leftover pizza and microwave dinners, like everyone and that, you know, at least I know, unless they came from privilege, but, but most startup founders, even in Silicon Valley, like didn't, didn't come from much that they, you know, they, they made their own way work. I think, I think the, I, I was lucky enough to get talked to, uh, go to a, a conference last fall where the head of Airbnb spoke. And this is, you know, a year before they just IPO'd and now they're all, you know, multi-billionaires, but um, they were saying that they got the Y Combinator money, which back then was not a lot of money. It was like, you know, 25K, which is a good amount. But when there's three people and you're trying to run a site for three months, that doesn't really go that far. Um, right. And they said that they all took out as many credit cards as the bank would allow them and they maxed out all of them. And it was like on the last week where they were running out of all the credit room on their credit cards, they finally got angel funding. Uh, and so yeah. it kind of shows you that like they were all being like, we believe in this product, we believe in this idea. And I think that it's not, it's, it's not just a rite of passage, but I think that, as you said, adversity is the mother of all inspiration. And I think it's also, it, it, there's so much more to that. It's that, you know, if, if you are willing to potentially risk serious financial harm on yourself to make something a reality, that's really important and you should chase that, you know? Um, and I agree with you, right? It's like if I had five thousand dollars left, and I and there was an opportunity that I thought was well, like I'd spend every dollar of it on that, and I and I'd borrow money for rent or put it on my credit card. You know, it's just like it's it's something that I've done in the past, and you've definitely done it too. And and I think that it's almost the sign of a true entrepreneur. It's like is is this someone who is an unreasonable person in their pursuit to achieve the goals they want to achieve? Hmm. Yeah. Profound. So I think the next question for you would be um, if you could send a single push notification to everyone's phone in a given area, what would the notification say and where would you send it? Hmm. Where would I send it? Like uh, a person. It could be, it could be a group of people. It could be a town. It could be a country. It could be a city. Um, okay. Okay. Uh, I would send it like to the African continent. Yep. Yes, I will send as a, a personal notification to the African continent saying that it's your time. I love that. I love that. And uh, yeah, I, I, I think that a Africa and India, like those, those two, you know, general it's areas are like the next, in my opinion, like, if, if I had, as you said, if I had billions of dollars or even millions to invest, like that's where I'd be putting my money right now. Because like there are all these really passionate people that have the same problems that, that we do all around the world and technology can also help them solve those problems. And there are so many people that are hungry and not just literally, but also figuratively in the way that they want to they want to work and they want to build and they want to help their community and they want to, you know, succeed too. And I think that you look at America right now and there's lots of spoiled people that spend two hours a day on TikTok and don't really add anything to society. And you have these massive groups of people around the world that are just so hungry to do anything they can to build and create and just help this system succeed. Uh, it's, mm -hmm. it's really exciting to me. Right. Um, sure. and and I, I can't wait to, to see it. That's one reason why my friend and I are going to Africa. You know, he, he was born in Cameroon. He, he is, you know, African by birth. Um, I've only been to Northern Africa. And so for me, just I want to go around and meet as many people as possible and try to see how I can help, how I can get involved. If there's something that I can do, because, you know, I, I just I think it to me, it's like the it's the next 
it's the next origin story in tech. And I, and I love to be a part of that revolution, so to speak. And I think that because, you know, I think that tech is no longer going to be Silicon Valley tech and New York City tech and London tech and Tokyo tech and Singapore tech. It's going to be just tech. We're all going to be in this together. And especially now with, you know, language processing tools becoming what they are, you know, soon we're going to have people working shoulder to shoulder that don't share a common language yet. And the language they share in commonality is entrepreneurship or coding or something like that. And, you know, with the software, we're able to communicate on almost a second by second basis, even if we don't even speak each other's language. And I think that that is, that's the direction we're all heading. It's this understanding that the world is so, so large and that these people, you know, whether you're coming from Marin County out in Silicon Valley or a rural village in Cameroon, like my friend did, you know, y- you have a lot of the same problems and a lot of the same ambitions, you know, just unfortunately some are given more opportunity than others. And let's, I think we need to fix that. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So uh, the last question I'll ask you is, do you have any advice for your future grandchildren's generation? So the generation that'll be born probably, I would say, um, let's say like 2035 to 2050. So people born, you know, 15, 20 years from now. Mm, I would advise them to, to just build, <laughs> to just build and to build for the world. Like that, that life must have meaning. For, so for me, Meaning is is just building and building things that will impact the world. Yes, we have your TikToks and all of that, but my advice for the future generation will be to build and to build to impact the world better. Make sure that the generation that comes after them uh, will be living in a better world that they have built. So we, our generation is building, but they yes. must build upon what we built and make it better. Let's just keep making things better for the next generation so that the next generation doesn't have to clean up messes yes. like we well, we are. do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Our politicians messes and all of that. Oh, yeah. So I would love for the next generation to be a generation that's building whether that in politics you can even build there, you know, you can build yeah. a better better policies, better things for the society, whether you are in health, you know, you can build wherever you are, whether you are even in the arts, build for the next generation, build for impact. Yeah, I think, and I think what you, going off what you said is like build build in the area which you find success and you find most happiness, right? Because someone may love politics, someone may love the environment, someone may love the arts, but, you know, don't waste your life doing something you don't like to do. Mm Mm-hmm, exactly, exactly. All right. Well, um, this has been a lovely and fantastic conversation. Um, and you and I will chat briefly offline after I stop recording. Um, but I just want to thank you so much for your time. I know it's, I know it's getting late over there. Uh, what time is it there right now? It's 9 PM. So yes, it's so, <laughs> yeah. So I really appreciate you staying up cause it's, it's only 11 AM here in Seattle. Um, and uh, you and I will connect offline briefly, but is there anything else you want to share or, or plug or talk about um, before uh, that I can put out to my network as well? Uh, I think uh, I just want to thank you for the opportunity you know, to be on your podcast. Uh, I, I've had a lovely conversation with you. It didn't even feel like an interview. It was just a lovely conversation. And my, my takeaway or what I would love to put out there is for other founders who will be listening and investors who will be listening to this to say, you know, well, Africa is ready. African founders are ready. And also, you know, uh, I have a lot of founder friends who are also in India. So, like, the world out there is ready. So we just want yes. to connect. Let us, let, let us start connecting with each other. Let us start reaching out to each other so that we can make this space, this tech space bigger. So let us start uh, connecting with each other learning from each other you know and and you know helping each other so that we can make this space bigger because because we are all in the tech community like you were saying we don't want to hear to start speaking about the bay area tech the the new york tech the seattle tech or whatever tech it just have to be tech 
Let us yes. make this world tech world for We're all of us together. to thrive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Well, um, Zanelle, uh, it's been a pleasure having you on. Uh, I'm going to stop recording now and, and just thank everyone for tuning in. Uh, but you and I will connect offline in a few seconds. But uh, thanks, Great. everyone, for uh, listening. Hey, everybody. I hope you all very much enjoyed this conversation with Zanelle Matome and myself. You can find Zanelle on social media at Zanelle underscore Matome. That's spelt Z-A-N-E-L-E underscore M-A-T-O-M-E. And as always, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram and wherever else at Rob or robislost.com. I thank you all for your time, and I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day. Goodbye.